So this Christmas, um, we started last week uh, talking about the idea of the gift of hope. So I really feel like a few weeks ago, um, you know, as I was just praying and just thinking about, you know, just seeking the Lord's heart, like, Father, what do you want to talk about this Christmas? You know, there's just always so much going on, and um, there's so many things within the Christmas story itself to talk about. That's all awesome. I mean, it's just all great. But you never, you know, as your pastor, and you know, you just share and talk about things. You don't want to just rehash the same thing the same old way. You want something that, you know, is just fresh and it just comes with um, a certain vibrancy and a life behind it. And so one of the feel, things I feel like the Lord put on my heart is like, hey, listen, you know, just share with them how good I am for the next couple of weeks. Just how good I am. How much hope there is found in me. That's what, like, I want you to talk about. I said, all right, Lord, I can definitely that. That sounds good. And I think we need to receive that and to hear that. Um, because it's true that he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's also like a judge at the end of time, and we're all going to stand before him. That's true. A judge in a manger. It's true. But there's the other side of him, the more dominant part, the more significant part of him, where he's like a loving father, a loving creator, who created us with a purpose, with a destiny, with a plan, and who has immense value upon our lives. So I want to share about that. And we talked a little bit about it last week. Um, And we talked about the passage in Hebrews where it says, there's a passage that says that um, our hope in Jesus Christ is an anchor for our souls. Everybody say anchor. Yeah, it's an anchor. Um, It's something that actually stabilizes solidifies us, makes us firm, makes us secure. So when we are in this thing called life, and we go through this journey, it's going to rain on the just and on the unjust. Bad things are going to happen to the Christ Father who's faithful. Um, Bad things are going to happen to the one that could just really care less about that. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. It's just the way it is. This is always going to be that way. But what we're told uh, in Hebrews is that hope is like the anchor. That's the thing that when everything else, the seas are crazy and everything going around, for the Christ follower, they make the conscious decision. They say, well, (laughs) that is what it is. Not deny it. You just say, it is what it is. That is the report. That is what's going on. That is what's before me. That is what we're in the middle of. It is what it is. But then the Christ follower decides to put all of their hope as an anchor in God that he was going to somehow breathe life into that situation, that she will somehow make his name known, that he will somehow intercede to do something that only he can do. That's a lot of hope. And that literally changes every circumstance and situation that we will ever come in contact with. And so, you know, we also talked about this idea that, that a lot of times people just, they don't want hope as an anchor because you don't want to get your hopes too high because then you're disappointed. And we talked about the struggle last week that, you know what? If we are in a place to where we always hedge our bets when we pray based upon how much it might disappoint us, we are not praying and we are not believing and we are not in relationship with God the way he's called us to be. Because if you think about that thought process, oh, I'm only going to hope about and ask God for things that I think could only realistically be done. 
you realize you just put him into a box of which you only think that he can do. And how many of you are like, no, like he doesn't do that. He doesn't live there. He does what he does. And he told Mary, listen, I, you're going to get pregnant. I know it's impossible, but listen with me, it's possible. It's just what I do. It's just what I do. It's amazing to me how much through the whole Christmas story, there's so much supernatural breaking the laws of everything of what God does with humanity in Christmas. You have angels on the scene. You got people, women that are barren that are having kids. You have a virgin who's going to be a mom. It's that's crazy. And that all surrounds the Christmas season. And if we are people to where we only really approach God and we have relationship with Him, and we only pray about things that we think like God might come through on, man, we're just missing it. We are missing it. We are missing it. Like we're told to have our hope anchored, anchored in Christ Jesus. Not just as an accessory, but as an anchor. Not something that just highlights kind of our Christian life. Oh, and I'm really positive and optimistic. And I believe in Jesus. I don't know, man. Like what God's calling us to, he's saying, hey, listen, Jesus Christ, he's my Lord, my King, my everything. I'm looking to him for what I need to get through in this situation. And not just get through, but have his name be great and have himself be glorified. So we talked about all that last week, and I'm not going to rehash it. This week, I want to talk about another side of it. And if you could think of everything I just said right now, um, under this umbrella, the umbrella of one of the reasons why I love Christmas, um, one of the reasons why I really, as far as from a spiritual perspective goes, I love Christmas because I believe that Christmas reveals God's heart and his intention towards us. That is one of the reasons why I really love Christmas. I believe that in the Christmas story, in the birth of Jesus Christ, in the story all through the Bible, there's this plan for the Messiah to come. And within that, God is revealing how he feels about myself, how he feels about you, how he feels about all of humanity. And I get kind of, I get excited and I'm encouraged by that because because we live in this way with like God the Father, he's, he's, not, he's not tangible, you can't grab him, you can't have immediate conversations back and forth all the time, like I am with my wife, you know, or with a friend or somebody else, it's just, it's just hard to read sometimes. And sometimes our reception is just, it's just hard sometimes. But in the Bible, when we can see the story about like how God feels about us, that's very intriguing to me. And last week we talked about one thing about how God feels about us, how God feels about you. One significant thing of the way that he feels about us, number one, he's fully committed right from the very beginning before our sins, setbacks, and screw-ups. I am blown away by that. I don't know how many people decide to do a business deal with somebody else, especially if like a contractor or something. Say, hey, listen, this is like a $150,000 job you know what, I'm just going to pay you all the money right now. And I'm just going to, amen. I just paid all up front. I just trust you to get it done and figure it out. Nobody does business like that. Nobody wants to be in a relationship or in a marriage where they say, hey, listen, like, honestly, I'm going to marry you and be committed to you, even if you chose to go the other direction, like, 
I'm just with you and I just want to be there for you. I just want to support and help hold you up and help make you better. Help you see clearly when you're not seeing straight. Almost nobody does that. But God has chosen to do that with us. That's how he feels about us. That's what we read about. We talked about last week in Genesis 3. When you have Adam and Eve and you have the garden because the Christmas story goes back to Genesis. And so when you have them in the garden, you have them making a bad choice and you have God already saying, prophetically declaring, hey, listen, I already have a plan in place. So you may have tricked this woman and she may have then helped trick the man and you guys fell. But devil, that very woman that you deceived, I already have a plan in place. And that very woman that tricked you, she's actually going to crush you and destroy you. And there's nothing you can do about it. I love the preemptive strike of love in our God's heart towards us. He just voluntarily says, you know what? I am fully in. Fully in, right from the outset. Knowing full well who you are, what you're going to do, your tendencies, your inadequacies, just the, the things that you do in the direction that you go. God says, I know that intimately. And he says, I want you. I have created you. I value you. I want to be with you. And I will bankrupt heaven to make sure that happens. That is a, that's amazing. Because I think sometimes we get just stuck in the place of, I know how God feels about me based on how my life is going. So the way that God loves me and how he feels about me is just tied into my circumstance. So what you do is, what we do is we just reduce God's love for us based on how our life is going in the moment. And that is just so wrong, number one, and two, so dangerous. Because the way he felt about us is, well, he brought baby Jesus into the world. And I picture Jesus in heaven just joyfully just taking on the mission. Absolutely, Dad, we need them back. They're gone from us right now. They're not in the relationship that you designed them to be. Dad, we need them. And he just, he just goes. And then he just goes to a cross to pay for our sins. Man, I love, 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 love how God makes it so clear. And maybe it wasn't so clear before, but I hope it is a little bit more now. How he feels about you and how he feels about me and what his intentions are towards you and towards me. It's amazingly better than what we think. It just is. So that was one intention. How it feels about us is that he's fully in. Fully in before we even have a chance to screw everything up. Yeah, I think it's pretty good, but all right. Here's the second one, right? How does he feel about us? And that's what I want to talk about today, and this one's not long at all. How does he feel about us? Well, we already talked about the first part, that he's already in right away from the start. But the second thing is, he wants us to succeed. He really wants us to do well. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be prosperous. Jesus said, a life abundant. I don't think that means, well, I've got to drive around in Ferraris and Cadillacs. I'm not, I don't, that's not what he meant. It's not what he meant. But he does want us to live a life and a life abundant. 
to be successful, to be victorious. The Bible uses an F word. There's another F word, believe it or not. Fruitfulness. Right? That's the way the Lord describes how He wants to interact with us and what He wants to do with us. Fruitfulness is at a premium. Now, how does that relate to the Christmas story? Well, I'm not going to read through them now. We already read a lot today, but I promise I'll get to the John thing in a minute. But if you think about the Christmas story, you have Mary and Joseph. They were doing all of the right things. They were like being holy. They were sexually in the right place that they should have been. They were honoring God the way that they should have. And the angel even told them, like, told Mary and Joseph, like, listen, this is from the Lord. You, you guys are fine. You're not doing anything wrong. But God comes in. He completely interferes and messes up their life completely. Do you understand? Like, at their, like marriage time. He goes to Joseph. He says, hey, listen, she's going to be pregnant, and I did it. And don't you divorce her. He just put, God just put their lives on the line. That's like something that they could die for. And God just put his hand and said, you know what, I'm going to make this thing more difficult. And to Mary, they've been doing it the right way. And she's like, well, how can this be? I've never been with a man. He says, eh, it's taken care of. But you got to have him. You got to name him Jesus. He's going to save people from their sins. It's going to be amazing. Like, and we can look back now in 2017. Yeah, it is amazing. Like, wow, she was chosen for that. He was chosen for that. What a family. I wish, like, we had something recorded from their years as they grew up in their home. Like, what was that like? And it looks great from our vantage point. But if we're sitting in Joseph and Mary's vantage point when you're about to get married and things are going along pretty well, then God wants to get involved in the mix and everything is jacked up. Why would he do that? There's a lot of situations throughout the whole Bible where as soon as God got involved, it gets jacked up. He did it with Moses. He did it with King David that we read about, one of our readings beforehand. He did it with Gideon. He did it with Paul. He, does it, he did it with every man and woman that just fully gave themselves to who he is. In the natural and in the flesh, he made things difficult. Why does he do that? I'm glad that you asked. All right, now we can look at the John passage, then we can answer the question. John 15, verse 8 says, This is to my father's, what's that word? Glory. Everybody say glory. glory. This is to my Father's glory. Is it, whose glory is it about? Father. Yeah, His Father's, right? God's glory. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much, what's that word? Glory. Yes. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. disciples. Wow, so already, like, it's not about us. It's about His glory, His fruit, our discipleship. The whole narrative is about him and him alone, just like the Christmas story. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one uh, than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Why would God interfere so much in a way that seems to be like such a hindrance? He would do it because ultimately it's about his plan, his narrative, and the way he wants to develop fruit. I remember being in a Bible study not too long ago. We had, it was like four or five years ago. And um, we were still recently, you know, just starting the church. And we are in somebody's living room. They're across town. And we were just reading through and going through stuff. And, um, you know, she just, she was just struggling. You know, we just get to a place, you know, where we just struggle about God and his heart. And I, I don't know, you know, and we just fight it. We just struggle and trying to figure it out and think it. And that's where she was at. And uh, she's like, well, why would God do these things? I just don't understand. Like, why is God doing this? And she had just a lot of legitimate, just good things she was just concerned about. She was just kind of stressing over. Totally fair, totally legal. I said, and ultimately, I was like, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. And, and I don't pretend to know. And I don't think it's, you know, a, a, a Christian's job to just have an answer for everything all of the time. Sometimes it's just left up to him and his plan and what he's doing. And she's like, well, why would he do this? I don't understand. And I shared with her, I said, you know, I said, you got to understand from God's vantage point, from his perspective, He's trying to shape us and mold us to become a person over here that he had in mind when he created us. That's the end goal. For Jared to be over here, for Dawn to be over here, for Leanne, shaped and molded a particular way. And we're like over here. And the way that we get shaped and molded is God uses life, he uses evil, he uses circumstances, other people, situations, everything to help shape us and mold us over here. And her response was, she's like, I don't like that. <laughs> and I understood, like, I, I, got, I get it. She's like, I don't like that. Like, she goes, ew. And I think that we can be like, I don't like that, that's ill, be uncomfortable about it. If we're not really sure what kind of father he really is. See, that's the sticking point. See, the enemy, he just paints a picture of how much it's going to cost us. And the father's continually trying to remind us of how beneficial it will be for us. Because if you talk to anybody from the Old Testament or from now, from any day and age, that has fully given their lives over to the Lord, they don't regret it. They do not regret it. They are fully joyful. doesn't mean their life is perfect and they have it all together. 
Never going to be perfect. Not on this side, right? It's the only one. So he wants us to succeed and be victorious. And he allows situations and circumstances into our lives so that way we are in a... That way his pruning process can be accomplished the way it needs to be accomplished. Because he's never wasting the pruning process. There's always a purpose behind it. Always. So for me, that just builds even more hope. And we see it in the Christmas story. There was a work in Mary and Joseph that needed to be done. And it had to happen the way that it happened. And we look back and we say, wow, that's amazing, that's miraculous. And I think other people go way too far and they say, well, it's because Mary was just sinless and just perfect her whole life. And it's like, that's ridiculous. That's, that's like such not a good thing to teach that and to believe that. Because what that does is that starts putting people on pedestals and it starts to imply to people that until you reach a certain point in life, God will not use you in really significant ways. You're disqualified until you reach some sort of usable status. That's really dangerous. You understand that? So the only way we disqualify ourselves is if we just engage, disengage from our Father and we say, yeah, I hear it, but no. That's the bad news. That's where there's no hope at all. And so how does our Father feel about us? Listen, he wants us to succeed. And so he's got things in my life, there's things in your life, any situation, any trial. But it's not without hope. It's not without a perfect redemptive plan for his glory to be seen and shown. And I just pray that we're able to approach those situations in that way instead of in a hopeless way. I hope that we can respond to a situation, we can trust the Lord and ask him, God, I don't understand and I don't know. And the limited that I do know about you, it doesn't even look like this. But, it's really important to get the but. But, God, I've read this about you here. I see what you're doing over there. I just want to trust you to a greater degree in the situation and do it the right way. Help me. Help me get to that place, Lord. I want you as an anchor in this, and I don't want the internet, other people, my pro-cons list. I don't want that as my anchor. I want you as my anchor in this. And that's the place where God wants us to be. It might have been kind of weird, you know, to, our first reading was from um, uh, 2 Samuel, where God told David, he said, listen, I'm going to create for you a kingdom. It's going to be forever long-lasting, forever. And then we have on Christmas the answer to that prayer. God is so ridiculously faithful to what we bring to him, what we offer to him, that he will carry it further and farther than we could ever think or imagine. And I think too often myself uh, and just other people, we just get kind of stuck in the place of, we just judge a situation just by the immediate and be like, eh, my prayers are working. It's not working based on whatever's happening in the immediate. And that's just so dangerous. Much of the fulfillment of answers to prayer 
that God has done throughout his story and throughout history, it takes a lot of time. And some of it we won't even be around to see. I won't be able to see, I'm assuming here, I won't be able to see much of the fruit that's going to happen out of my kids' life when they have their own kids and, they are just, and they're just doing what they're doing. I'm not going to be able to see it. The legacy that Julie and I will leave, we're not going to be able to see it. And much of what I'm living in today and what you're living in today, it's fruit based on how you've responded in your relationship with God three or four years ago. And so it's, so it's so important to just engage with his heart and connect with him now. And it's so dangerous to just judge the situation. Be like, I've been praying for like three weeks and that didn't work. So we got to move on. That element of perseverance is so important. So important. Even though God did say in the garden, hey, listen, I got a plan set up. Destiny is coming back. My value is going to be seen. Redemption is going to happen. It took like what? A thousand years <laughs> for Jesus to show up. For that actually to come true. And I'm not saying that when you pray something, it's going to take a thousand years for God to answer. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to paint the picture of let's just be a faithful people that know how to wait on the Lord and that want to wait on the Lord because it's really good of what He's going to bring about. And panic and anxiety is always an option. And for some of us, that's like been the only option for a long time. And God is trying to communicate and minister to our hearts like, listen, I do things a different way. And I'm bringing forth a different thing. And we still might even struggle with it for a while. But eventually, that idea of victory and abundant life, it happens and it comes through. I'm telling you. And it's so good and so beautiful. So, I hope that, well, somebody's phone. I was going to say, is that my phone off? <laughs> I thought it was. Um, I hope that you just find a little just hope and encouragement from the fact that, one, God has done and has already arranged so many preemptive strikes of favor and love for our lives and our behalf. We don't even understand it or quite know it. The depth is ridiculous. So I hope that encourages you. And then I hope it really encourages you also that it's God's plan, it's part of his purpose to see you be successful, to be prosperous, ultimately fruitful. And he gets to determine how that looks. But fruitfulness is going to sustain us, bring glory to him, and help build into the greater narrative of what he wants to do. And so maybe, you know, your Christmas is going to look like that Lexus one with the bow on it, you know, up front. Like. And maybe, I know, right? And maybe you'll get more education, get more pay raises, get more promotions, do really well, and even gain more things. That is not bad. It's not bad. It's only bad when that owns you. And that's the main driving force, is just to keep it and accumulate it more. And so I hope during this Christmas season that the Lord just ministers to your heart just a little bit more about how he feels about you and his intentions towards you.
Because if you don't feel like his intentions towards you and his heart towards you is, some, is incredibly favorable, you're going to be very resistant. Very resistant. And if you don't think he's going to be faithful and true to the, some of the amazing things that he said, he said, ask anything in my name and I will do it. What kind of blanket statement is that? Well, here's how you figure it out. You figure it out by actually taking him up, taking him up on it. Really, Lord, anything? And he says, okay, well, let's talk about it. And too many of us disengage from the conversation way too early to get to the place where we can actually see the fulfillment of what he wants to. All right. So, oh, come, let us adore him. That's what we're doing? Okay. Last song. Oh, come, let us adore him. And then, Rob, you can come up and pray after that? Okay. Okay.